this 200th edition of the EPL show on the Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by WinBet. Sign up now using our link and receive a $500 risk-free bet. That's right, $500. And if you send in your first bet slip, you'll get a free t-shirt. Head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash win for a free $500 risk-free bet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash win, spelled W-H-N-N. We'll also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for avid sports bets, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. Better Than Vegas, it's like YouTube for sports betting. Make sure to subscribe to our page so you don't miss a pick. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. We're also brought to you by Better Edge. Better Edge is a stock exchange for sports bets, allowing you to buy and sell betting positions like a stock market. The best part is it allows you to bet with no VIG. That's right, no VIG betting. That's legal in 40 states. Sign up at betteredge.com, promo code SGP for a free $10 bet. That's betteredge, B-E-T-T-O-R-Edge.com and the promo code SGP. And finally, we'll support you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in paperhead providers and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free. Just head over to aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. You are listening to the 200th edition of the EPL show here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. That's right. We've gone from starting this in 2016 to now having a full network dedicated to soccer on the Soccer Gambling Podcast, which you can follow on Twitter at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. Make sure to check out all of my content over at lockbetting.com where we've had eight straight winning days in the tennis. We are landing NBA profits nearly every single night. We are coming off a bad weekend in the NFL compared to what we've been doing throughout the season where we had 12 winning weeks. We still only have 12 winning weeks because we had a losing weekend last weekend like most people, but we are looking to bounce back with the divisional round games this weekend, looking to get our NFL back on track and looking to get our soccer back on track after a very bad day yesterday on Wednesday. Had a 0-3 reverse sweep. That does take us to 29 and 13 with our picks over at lockbetting.com for soccer for the season. So we've still had, well, not for the season, sorry, for January for 2021 so far, 29 and 13. So that has been a relatively good start, but we have been scaled back from 29 and 10 to 29 and 13. And I was actually talking to Sean and Ryan about this because we had some horrendous beats yesterday, not just in soccer. We had some horrendous beats in basketball as well. And um, it was quite unbelievable and uh, I wanted to write an article about it and Ryan and Sean said why don't you just do a podcast they said that's a really good concept for a podcast so I'm going to do an entire podcast solely dedicated to my worst day in betting ever because the beats that we had yesterday were just so unbelievable you're going to have to listen to this show it is going to be coming out in the next 24 hours, my worst day ever, the podcast solely dedicated to the bad beats and the day that we had yesterday. But as I said, still profitable overall, eight winning days in the tennis, 29 and 13 overall in the soccer and looking for a bounce back weekend in the NFL where so far this season we have had 12 winning weeks. So that takes care of the housekeeping. Let's roll on here with the show, the 200th edition of the EPL show. I actually got onto this podcast two years before the EPL show. I was here on 2000 and from 2014 doing the FIFA World Cup. I convinced these guys to let me on and cover soccer. I covered the World Cup. I then sporadically covered the Champions League. And then I was back for Euro 2016. And then off the back of that, we finally launched the EPL show and um, that was over on the Sports Gambling Podcast. And then we had the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And now we are here on the Soccer 
gambling podcast and it's been six and a half years just slightly over six and a half years for all of that to take place i will be on this podcast the sports gambling podcast network for seven years this june time has flown by and i've made you guys a shit ton of money in that time we have a ridiculous lot record here on the epl show and we look to improve that lot record here this season because we seem to have a problem this season where we hit a couple of locks and then we lose one and then we hit a couple of locks and we lose one and uh, the most recent lock saw us on the wrong side of Sheffield United's first win of the entire season but even that came as a result of a phantom penalty awarded by VAR. VAR has gone against us for a vast majority of the season. It's very rare that VAR has gone in our favour. And it's been very, very difficult to handicap around VAR, around COVID, around the fatigue situation in the Premier League at the moment. A lot of teams are just coming out there and setting themselves up not to be beat because of the fatigue factor, because of the tiredness, because of the ridiculous fixture schedule. And that is lending itself to the unders. And once again, as I'm handicapping these games this week, I'm looking at games that could potentially go over and looking at strong data and strong trends and strong tactical matchups that could lend itself to an over. Otherwise, I'm automatically going under. I'm automatically assuming that with the fatigue and the fixed schedule and the COVID situation and the fact that these players are playing game after game after game and didn't really have a preseason and they're just setting up to be well organized and making themselves difficult to beat and trying to win the game in the later stages. I'm looking at unders here all the way until I can find some strong reasoning for an over. So as we move on with the show, you'll see a lot of that. You'll see a lot of leans towards unders because at the moment, I just don't see anything changing in this league. I don't see these players automatically getting any healthier unless, of course, there is some kind of break implemented because of the severe COVID situation here in the UK. And uh, unless there is some unless there is some kind of break, these players are going to continue to play tired. They're going to continue to be affected by this hefty fixture schedule. And they're going to be continually affected by COVID protocols, which leak into their training and everything they do on a day-to-day basis. The current protocols have become so ridiculous that these players can't even take a shit without getting permission from somebody to go and take one. I mean, they're being told to socially distance away from each other when they're eating in the canteen. They're being told to arrive at grounds in three separate coaches so they can massively socially distance when they're on the buses. But these players are playing against other players. They're grabbing each other's shirts in the box. They're taking corners where they're all going to be standing around each other. They're formulating walls for free kicks. They're going head-to-head with each other in football games, in close contact with each other, because this is a contact sport. And it doesn't make any sense. They're being told not to celebrate goals, not to hug each other and celebrate goals, to separate themselves once goals are scored. It's become absolutely ridiculous what these players are being asked to do. And I understand they're being paid between forty and £250,000 a week. And perhaps they should just suck it up, especially whilst the clubs aren't making any money from, from people coming to the grounds and just making money from their TV rights fees. But it's still ridiculous and it is seriously affecting in everything. It's affecting results. It's reflecting the quality of the games. And of course, most importantly for us, it's making it very difficult for me to handicap things. And as I said to my clients, we're going to be straying away from big plays here. There's going to be very little at 1.5 units or even one unit coming up. It's going to be mostly half unit stuff on the route to having that 29 and 13. It has been mostly stuff at a half unit level and a few one unit plays squeezed in there because it's just universally difficult, not just in the EPL, but all around Europe to handicap these games at the moment. I mean, look at Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich are one of the stories that I'll be telling on the, on that podcast about the worst beats ever. They went out yesterday against a second division team where they conceded an equaliser in the 95th minute, but they only rested four players from a team they played at the weekend. So there were seven first team players in a Bayern team that were eliminated by a second division team on penalties. It was absolutely ridiculous to see the Champions League winners beaten like this. And that's just been a consistent trait throughout the throughout the season all across Europe. The consistency has been the inconsistency all around. 
So as I said, it makes it very, very difficult. We will roll on with the show. And as this is the 200th edition of the EPL show, we are going to do something special at the end. We are going to look at the futures markets. We haven't done that for a while, but we are reaching the midway point of the season. So it's definitely worth having a look. And we're going to do that at the end of the show as a little bonus for you here, as this is the 200th episode. But let's roll on with the picks and let's look at the games here for this week. We begin with West Brom's trip to Wolves, 12.30 Saturday. Wolves are available here at 3-5 to to win this game. It's 11-4 the draw and it's 11-2 on West Brom. You would think this would be a spot for Wolves to win. West Brom have struggled even though Sam Allardyce has taken over at the club. He hasn't been able to fix things defensively. But this is a Wolves team that really, really struggle to to score. And Allardyce will be setting up with a defensive mindset. Whether it works or not at the moment, it hasn't worked. But eventually, he will get this team defensively organised. He's got worse defences well organised before than this current West Bromwich Albion team. Under 2.5 goals have been scored in seven of Wolves' last nine Premier League home games. Wolves have scored exactly one goal in six of those nine matches. So that's a very disappointing return. Of course, they are missing Raul Jimenez. This West Brom team have only scored one goal in total in their last four Premier League fixtures. And Wolves were beaten just twice in their last nine league games at Molyneux. So everything does point to Wolves being able to get the win here, but it also points to the under. And seeing as the under is at the better price here of 7-10, to 10, with Wolves' money line being here at 3-5, to five, I'm going to lean towards the under here because I do think that's what Sam Allardyce is going to do. He's going to relentlessly set up his teams not to be beat and try and steal games on counters or via set pieces. That's what he's notoriously done. That's how he's kept teams in the Premier league unfortunately he doesn't have a quality defense here at West Brom but I do think they're good enough here to cash an under for us here but unfortunately for them I do think Wolves will inevitably break through and win this game but I prefer the under here at 7 to 10 overtaking Wolves here at 3 to 5 minus 160 I think you'll get a better in play line as West Brom build up resistance through this game and you may be able to take Wolves at plus money even in the second half if this game can be goalless at half time but obviously if it is we'll be in a very very solid position to cash up under here for this 12:30 kickoff on Saturday up next, we look at Leeds versus Brighton, where Leeds are the 21 to 20 favourites. It's 11 at 4 to draw, and it's 23 to 10 on Brighton. This is one of those instances that I talked about at the top of the show where I do think there's enough statistical data here to not take the under. In fact, it's not only statistical data here, it's the matchup as well. Brighton implemented a very unique tactic for them against Manchester City where they went there, put men behind the ball and tried not to get beat. They've not previously done that. So perhaps Graham Potter is now recognising his situation. He doesn't want to go down in a season where you have teams like Sheffield United, Fulham and West Bromwich Albion that are terribly, terribly poor and they should be the teams that categorically go down. But Brighton's form has got them sucked into that situation with only two wins so far this season and Potter did set his team up to be more well, more well organised and more difficult to beat which is why Manchester City ended up winning that game 1-0 although through that through that game Manchester City had a plethora of chances to to win the game they hit the crossbar Riyad Mahrez went clean through and of course that moron Raheem Sterling Plays the penalty over the bar in the 92nd minute, as you can tell by the way I'm talking about this game. It was one of our bad beats from Wednesday. There'll be an entire podcast dedicated to my worst day ever in betting that will be available in the next 24 hours. But moving on to this game, we did see Brighton present themselves as a more organised outfit. But I don't know whether that's going to continue here against Leeds because perhaps this is a game that Brighton think they can win. And if they do, this is going to be an absolute end-to-end game with two teams that play stylistically well above their position in the league. Leeds don't necessarily have the personnel to carry off this style and succeed game game after game. They would be a lot better off if they did play against, play this way stylistically against teams like Fulham, Brighton, West Bromwich Albion, etc. and implemented a more organised style in the games against the top teams. But that isn't the way of Bielsa and it doesn't appear to be the way of Potter as well. He's possibly a English Bielsa, although he has a lot more to achieve in the game before he can uh, achieve himself that nickname. 
looking at a pick for this game, I do lean towards both teams scoring. You can get that here at four to six. If you think one of these teams will be able to win it, so adding the over 2.5 to it, that takes you into plus money territory here at 6-5. to five. Leeds Premier League fixtures have averaged 3.7 goals per 90 minutes this season. Both teams have scored in 67% of Brighton's Premier League matches this term. And that's why I think we're getting value on both teams scoring here at 4-6. to six. Leeds collecting maximum points in each of their last two Premier League home games. And Brighton have won just twice in 18 Premier League assignments this season, as I mentioned earlier. So I would be leaning towards Leeds being able to win this game against Brighton, but not if it's the more organised Brighton that sit back and try Try to contain Leeds. If that's the case, then our play on both teams to score could even possibly be in danger. But I don't envision that. I envision a different game plan for the likes of Liverpool, Manchester City. And that's the right thing for Brighton to do. But I don't think it's the right thing to do here in this instance. They should fancy the chances against the Leeds team that do concede a lot of chances. And if Brighton can find the net with those, then we'll be comfortably landing overs and both teams scoring here in this game. But the safe bet here, the main play will be both teams scoring here, which is available at 4-6, to six, minus 150 here in this one. Up next, we look at West Ham at home to Burnley, where West Ham are the 4-5 favourites. It's 5-2 to two to draw and it's 18 to 5 here on Burnley. Burnley on a very good run at the moment. They've made themselves very difficult to beat, which has seen them go up the table and out of the relegation conversation. West Ham are having a little bit of a dip in form. But the main bet here, as much as you want to look at Burnley, at West Ham, and all these other connotations, is the under again. And I told you at the start of the show, it's going to be a heavy show aimed towards unders. And you have enough data here to support an under. You also have data here to support Burnley coming away with something in this game. And Burnley are available at 11 to 10 on the double chance market. They have lost just one of their last six meetings with West Ham. Burnley have lost three of the last nine Premier League fixtures overall, which is why they've moved up the table. West Ham have won just two of their last seven top flight matches. And West West Ham have averaged just one goal per 90 minutes across their last seven contests. And when you're looking at this game being an organised Burnley, trying to nick it on the counter-attack, trying to win this game via a set piece and setting themselves up against West Ham, making themselves difficult to beat with West Ham dominating possession for large periods of the game, this will lend itself to another under because it will be West Ham trying to break through. And seeing as West Ham only average one goal per game, as I just mentioned, it's going to be very difficult for them to, to break through. And even if they do, it's going to be then more difficult for Burnley to get back into the game. And if Burnley score first, they're going to put even more men behind the ball and won't even be looking for set pieces and counters. So I think everything here lends itself towards the under. You can get the under 2.5 goals here at 4-5. to five. And that will be my main play here for this one. But as I said, I also like Burnley to be able to avoid a defeat here in this one. Up next, we look at the West London derby with Fulham hosting Chelsea. Chelsea, the four to seven favourites to win here at Fulham. It's 11 to two to draw and it's 10 to three. Sorry, it's 10 to three on the draw and it's 11 to two here on Fulham. This is one of those games where I don't lean towards the under because Fulham have found a way to score recently against top teams in the Premier League. They're on a decent run of draws, which has seen them move up the table. And uh, as I said, they've scored against Everton, Liverpool, Leicester and Tottenham, whereas this Chelsea side have kept just one clean sheet in their last seven Premier League assignments when it looked like they were very, very organised around October-November time. They have slipped as of late. Fulham, though, have only won two of their 16 Premier League fixtures so it's hard to make an argument for Fulham getting something here whereas Fulham have also won just one of their last 28 Premier League games here against Chelsea but I don't think it's going to be any kind of huge drubbing and you can actually get Fulham here with a plus 1.5 Asian handicap line and you can get that here at 3-5 to five. 
What that gives you here is Fulham being able to lose this game, but you still being able to cash this bet. The only way you lose this bet is if Chelsea win here by two, three or four goals or just two goals plus, basically, will end up losing this bet. I don't think Chelsea are going to get any kind of emphatic victory here. I think they'll be lucky to come away with a result. Our bet is obviously much more likely to cash if Fulham can find a way to score in this game. And therefore, that's why I'm going to take Fulham plus one. 1.5 here at 3-5 to five in this one. It's not my strongest play. It's not in contention for a lock, the lock or anything this week. When you're looking at the number of unders that are such strong plays on this week's card, I certainly don't want to be dabbling with a Fulham handicap play here. But I do think they have a very, very good chance of avoiding a two-goal defeat here. And I think it'll be difficult for Chelsea to win this game. I do inevitably think Chelsea will win this game. That always sets you up for a sucker punch as Fulham are pressing forward to potentially get an equaliser if they're only one down. That does leave you susceptible to Chelsea on the counter-attack. So that's why it's not in any way um, a play that I'll be actually giving out to members or anything like that. But we are expected to pick every game here on the show. And that's something that I've always wanted to make clear on the EPL show. Even though we are 200 episodes in, you still get tweets about this pick and that pick and Nothing here is an official pick. All of my official picks are done over at lockbetting.com. 99% of the time, we will play the lock. The lock will go on to be a play, a one-unit play over at lockbetting.com. But nothing here is official. I am just giving you leans on every single game. And if you do want my official picks, what I will be playing in the EPL or across Europe this weekend, then head over to lockbetting.com and upgrade to a soccer package. But of course, if you upgrade to the top package, you get all of the sports that we do. You get NBA, college basketball, NFL, UFC, boxing, soccer, WWE, the tennis, which we're on a great run in at the moment. Basically, everything we do, that's where all of my official plays are. You also get 24-7 access to me via the WhatsApp group. And when you subscribe to that top package, everything is tracked. Everything is fully tracked and transparent. We give you a spreadsheet every single month. It's free to look at for everybody. So you don't have to be on the package. Everybody can head over to lockbetting.com and have a look at it. In fact, my pinned tweet every month at SGP Soccer is the lockbetting.com spreadsheet from the month before. So you can go and have a look at the previous month or you can go and have a look through the website, even if you're not a member, and have a look at every single month. Every single month of transparent track profit is there. 92 consecutive months in a row. I started this one year before I came on to the SGP. It was originally dirtyjesus.net. We changed the Dirty Jesus name, ended up getting rid of it as I had more clients, changed it over to lockbetting.com, especially as I was moving away from just mainly starting with handicapping uh, WWE and soccer and tennis. They were the three things that I did. And then I added boxing, added some UFC, eventually got good enough to add NFL. Now we do NBA, college basketball. We do all sports. And um, that has grown over the years as we've accumulated a profit in. And what we usually do is that we will track the profit for about 12 months in a sport once we feel comfortable enough in it. And once we've proven that we can make a profit on it, then we will start giving it out to clients. We will not give shit out to clients unless we've done 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 months of tracking in the sport and proven that we can deliver a profit in it. And that goes for the whole team because it's not just me doing every single sport because that's another thing I don't like when cappers are out there on Twitter doing every single thing. You think to yourself, how can they possibly dedicate themselves to all of these sports and know enough? They can't. That's why I have a team. That's why I have different people that do college basketball. That's why I have different people that do the NHL. I don't watch those sports. I don't know anything about those sports. I don't even know that much about college football. I have somebody else doing college football for me. I will make consensus plays on the NBA. I will get involved. I do watch the NBA. I do know how to handicap the NBA, but I will still formulate consensus plays and they will be the plays that go out. It's consensus plays for the NFL. It's consensus plays for most US sports. The only sports that I will individually do by myself is the WWE, the soccer, the boxing, 
and the tennis. Otherwise, everything else is consensus or it's done by other experts that I've tracked for eight to 12 months before they've come on board over at lockbetting.com. But just to reiterate my point, nothing here on the EPL show has ever been anything but a lean. It's all leans here. So please spare me your tweets abusing me about this pick and that pick and you losing money on this, that and the other. Unless you're going over to lockbetting.com, I'm not really concerned with it. Obviously, we put in as much effort as we possibly can. And most shows, I like to think that we do end up hitting around about seven and three. Some shows have even done eight and two and nine and ones, but always aim to go around seven and three. And I think most shows, we do achieve it and we have achieved it more often than not over the last four years here on the EPL show. Just a quick note before we move on to Sunday's game. If you are thinking about signing up for lockbetting.com this week, why don't you also sign up for WinBet and get yourselves a $500 risk-free bet? And if you send in your first WinBet screenshot to podcast at sportsgamblingpodcast.com, you will get yourself a free sports gambling podcast t-shirt. There's tons of boosted bets over at WinBet, including a wheel spin to boost parlays, perfect for hashtag DGENs only. WinBet is currently online in New Jersey, Colorado, and Michigan is coming soon with more states on the way. If WinBet isn't active in your state, you can still get a free t-shirt by referring a friend. So that's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash win. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash win, spelt W-H-N-N. And make sure you get yourselves that risk-free $500 bet. Also, guys, I want everybody to go and check out Better Than Vegas. It's like YouTube, but for what? Hashtag DGENs only care about sports betting. The best part is you're able to get free video picks from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network crew. Make sure you subscribe to the SGPN page. Head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV so you don't miss out on any of the videos. If you're subscribed, you'll get a notification every time a new Sports Gambling Podcast Network video is posted. I haven't made my debut on there yet because when they started it, I was sick with the COVID. I'm still pretty much um, under the weather from it now. I'm able to just move around and do my shows, but it does last a lot longer than you guys think, a lot longer than I thought as well. And I'm still feeling the effects of it, but I will be appearing on Better Than Vegas soon. Also this weekend, I will also be appearing on Locker Room on Saturday, where I'll be doing a pre-game show. Check out my Twitter account for more information or check out the Sports Gambling Podcast Twitter. I am at SGP Soccer. They are at Gambling Podcast to find out more about my EPL pre-game show, which I will be doing on Saturday. So moving on with the rest of the show, we move now on to Sunday's games. Actually, I've made a mistake. There is another game on Saturday. It's a Saturday night game here between Leicester and Southampton. Sorry, the way my page was set out, it started to um, it had the EPL games listed. Then it listed a whole bunch of uh, European games. And then suddenly here down the bottom, we find another game here. It's Leicester versus Southampton. Don't worry, I have handicapped this game properly just because I didn't realise it was the final game on Saturday. Doesn't mean I haven't uh, handicapped it properly. It's still here on my list. I just assumed it was a Sunday game because of the way that the betting site have got it structured. Leicester are the three to four favourites here to win this game. It's eleven to four here on the draw, and it's seven to two here on Southampton. I don't necessarily think that this game will go over. I don't think there's enough to support it definitely going over. But I'm not leaning towards the under here because there is definite data here for both teams finding the net. Both teams have scored in three of the last four league meetings between Leicester and Southampton. Southampton are actually unbeaten in four previous trips to the King Power Stadium in the Premier League. Even though they lost their home game to Leicester 9-0 last season, they were able to turn that around and win at Leicester away last season. Leicester have won just two of the last seven Premier League home games. It's their home form that's letting them down in the Premier League this season, much like Man United. Can you imagine where Man United would be 
in the table if they'd won their home game, well, how far clear they'd be at the top, the top of the table already, but how far clear they would be if they'd won their home games. And uh, the final bit of data here, both teams have scored in five of Southampton's eight Premier League away assignments this season. So there's a lot of supporting data there for both teams scoring. And when you find that kind of data, it's difficult here to lean towards the under, even though I'm trying to find as many unders as I possibly can on this show. But for this one, I'll be taking both teams scoring. It's both teams scoring yes at 10 to 11, both teams scoring no at 10 to 11. And I'll be steering towards the direction of the yes here at 10 to 11 for this game, the final game on Saturday. So now we actually do move over to to Sunday and uh, we start with Sheffield United here against Tottenham. I like a couple of plays in this game and I also like a combination of the two plays. Uh, Sheffield United here are available at 5-1. to one. It's 29-10 to 10 on the draw and it's 3-5 to five on Tottenham. I know Tottenham have only won one of their last five Premier League games and they dropped points against Fulham in midweek. Very costly game for us, as I've already mentioned numerous times. I have done a podcast talking about the worst day I ever had in gambling, which is available, but which should be available by the time you're listening to this. And uh, Tottenham were one of those plays, but they should certainly be able to bounce back here against Sheffield United. And I understand Sheffield United have just come off a win against Newcastle, but that was due to a phantom penalty. They played one of the worst teams in the league who are plagued with injuries and who set up for some reason, to take a point away to Sheffield United, who are the worst team in the Premier League. Then they were also reduced down to 10 men and Sheffield United still needed a phantom penalty. This team are not good. This team are not of a Premier League calibre. This team probably weren't of a Premier League calibre last year, but they had Dean Henderson in goal. They managed to get themselves very well organised at the back and they were just very, very difficult to break down. They were just very, very difficult to beat last season. They they grinded out points. They benefited from their home supporters because their home supporters are very passionate and did provide them what they needed in terms of being the 12th man. And it was just enough. It just everything seemed to click for them. But in terms of overall ability, when you're looking at Sheffield United per man, same as this season, same as last season, they really shouldn't have stayed in the Premier League. And now they're being found out having lost 15 of their 18 Premier League games this season. This is a Tottenham team that have conceded just seven goals in their eight Premier League away assignments this season. Sheffield United are the league's lowest scorers and Tottenham themselves have lost just once in eight Premier League away fixtures since the summer. So everything here does point towards there being value on Tottenham and the money line at three to five. I think you may be able to get at an even better price on Sunday because that's what happened with the Fulham game. For some reason, Tottenham were moving towards four to six, but that was the right move because Tottenham didn't end up winning that game, although Tottenham should have been four or five nil up before Fulham actually equalized in that game. For some reason, Sonnen came just were not able to find the net. And sometimes that's the jinx of being overly captained in fantasy football because Kane and Song were heavily captained by people who saw Fulham ahead and thought that they were going to rack up points. And they should have done. They had the chances to do so. Song had clear-cut chances. Song even went clean through and scuffed his shot against the post. I think that was the moment I knew that Fulham were going to end up fucking us and managing to get a point from that game. But Sheffield United aren't Fulham. They don't play the free-flowing, expansive football. I don't think they have as good a players of Fulham. They are really struggling, which is obviously proven by the fact they've lost 15 of their 18 games. And I think they'll lose another one here. And I think this will be another under. I think this is going to see under 2.5 goals. I think Tottenham have a real chance of emerging from this game with a clean sheet. And the under here is available at even money. When I was talking about possibly tacking the two plays together, I was leaning towards Tottenham winning this game and adding under 3.5 goals to it because that will give you the price here of 6-4. to four. If you really want to be super safe, you can add the under 4.5 to it and you can get it here at 5-6. to six. But I like the value here on Tottenham and under 3.5 goals here at 6-4 to four plus 150 because I do think that it does give you 
you more cover if Sheffield United are able to find a net. And look, this Tottenham team aren't exactly blowing people away. They're not exactly scoring three, four, five goals themselves, despite the fact they had Son and Kane. Son and Kane's peak really came earlier on in the season. The goals have kind of dried up for those two. Yes, they're still in four players and yes, they can still be dangerous and Tottenham are dangerous on the counter. But this isn't going to be a game where Tottenham are on the counter. This is going to be a game where Sheffield United are sitting back and making themselves difficult to break down and Tottenham will be the ones looking to create chances. So I think it heavily lends itself towards an under. I think Tottenham will break through and win this game. I wouldn't be surprised to see Tottenham winning this game by a by a single goal, just sneaking out a 1-0 win here. That's the type of game I think it is going to be. But inevitably, I think both the under 2.5 and the money line cash. And I really, really like Tottenham here with the under 3.5 added at 6-4 plus 150 here in this one on Sunday. Up next, we have the game of the week. In fact, it's probably the game of the season so far. The irony is it falls on episode 200. So we do have something special to talk about here. It's Liverpool versus Manchester United. Liverpool are the odds on 10 to 11 favourites here to win this game. It's 13 to 5 on the draw and it's 13 to 5 here on Manchester United. Manchester United are coming into this game with a record-breaking Premier League away record. And this game is being played at Anfield. I think it suits Manchester United nicely because they can sit back and hit Liverpool on the counter. And this is a Liverpool defence that doesn't have Joe Gomez. This is a Liverpool defence that doesn't have Virgil van Dijk. This is a Liverpool defence that might not even have Matip. This is a Liverpool defence that can be exposed by the Manchester United attacking threat of Martial and Rashford. That's if Martial is fit. Paul Pogba playing a lot better. And of course, Bruno Fernandes. This is a dangerous Manchester United attack. And this is a defence that has a look that has looked a lot more organised as of late with Eric Bailly coming in to play alongside Harry Maguire. We are getting more productivity from Luke Shaw out on the left. And Wan-Bissaka is always consistent. We also now know a lot more about the midfield that we want to play. And Paul Pogba probably looks better now than he has done since we've ever signed. And of course, Fernandez is Fernandez. Anybody can really slot in to that uh, defensive midfield role, be it Scott McTominay or Matic. I'm not too sure what he's going to do with his team selection, but I do know that we will have a team out there that's capable of beating Liverpool. This is a Manchester United team that's gone away to Paris Saint-Germain man this season and have already won. This is a Man United team that's gone away to everybody this season and has managed to win. And this is a Liverpool team that are nowhere near as consistent as the Liverpool team that won the title this season. This is a Liverpool team that just lost 1-0 to Southampton in the last Premier League game. So there's lots of reasoning here to take Manchester United. And I do like Man United here as a 13-5 underdog. But the safer bet here will simply be to take Man United here at 10-11 to to avoid a defeat on the double chance market. Because I don't see a route for victory here for Liverpool. Yes, they're going to dominate the ball. And what we want to avoid doing is setting up like Tottenham and putting too many men behind the ball because Tottenham really didn't have the ambition to attack there in that game. But even with their lack of ambition and putting so many men behind the ball, predominantly to come away there with a point, they still created a load of chances. Son got through, Bergwijn got through on a couple of occasions, Kane had chances and Liverpool will give you chances because this isn't the normal Liverpool backline. This is a Liverpool team that in the FA Cup conceded a goal against a patched-up Aston Villa team full of kids from the under-18s and under-23s. This is also a Liverpool team that could see Jordan Henderson playing in at centre-back at the weekend. That is not an ideal situation coming into this game. Now, when you look at this game as well, compared to when you would have looked at it a year ago, Look at the combined 11s now. Last year, if you were doing a combined 11 with Liverpool and Manchester United, I assure you this Liverpool team would have dominated us around about 8-3 or 9-2. It doesn't look like that anymore. It doesn't look like that at all. There are a number of Manchester United players who would get into this combined 11. While you can probably argue that Alisson is the best goalkeeper, while you can probably automatically add Liverpool's two fullbacks out wide, and you can probably add Mo Salah and arguably Sadio Mane into the team as well, although Marcus Rashford and Martial 
are more than capable of causing teams problems. It's very, very difficult to make a case for adding any more Liverpool players to this team. I would give Liverpool the narrow edge here with six players in this combined 11. But that's a massive difference from a year ago. Obviously, I understand that Gomez and Van Dijk are injured and Van Dijk would automatically slot into this team and that would be another automatic position for Liverpool. Alisson, the two fullbacks, Arnold and Robertson. Van Dijk, you'd probably take uh, Wijnaldum in a midfield position and then Mo Salah and Mane out wide. They would be automatic selections, but Man United are competing on all those fronts. In fact, the statistic was touted out all throughout the end of last season once Man United got hot. Man United's front three of Greenwood, Rashford and Anthony Martial actually outscored the trio of Firmino, Salah and Mane. So you only have to look at the league table to know the gap has tightened here. And obviously, Liverpool fans will argue that it's because they've lost Gomez and Van Dijk and it's because of injuries. Well, everybody deals with injuries. This is a squad game. If you didn't go out in the summer and you didn't buy players to deal with possible injuries that you'd have, then that's just tough shit. That's just your problem. There's no excuses here in the Premier League. Man United have been plagued with injuries over the year. Manchester City had a nearly an entire season where they didn't have Kevin De Bruyne and still competed for the title. So... You can have no excuses about injuries or anything like that. It's down to your manager. It's the responsibility of your club to make sure that you have everything there, that you are equipped enough to challenge for the league and to achieve what you need to achieve throughout the season. There can be no excuses. The gap has closed. And Man United may be tactically ready here to expose the Achilles heel of Liverpool. And that will be leaving themselves susceptible to counterattacks with wide spaces at the back. And we already saw it done by Aston Villa. We saw a textbook counterattacking performance from Aston Villa, from the likes of Watkins and Grealish. And Manchester United have even more pace than those. Manchester United are far more dangerous than the Aston Villa team that put seven goals past this Liverpool team. And if the fullbacks leave themselves too exposed and they push up too deep and they try and press Man United too high, then Man United have the players to do the damage. They have the quarterback midfielders in terms of Pogba and Fernandes who can pick the passes and they have the pace up top to cause them real problems. Even if Martial doesn't play in this game, Greenwood has electric pace and I personally think that he is the best finisher at the club. Yes, he's had his personal problems this season, which has left him out of the team, but Greenwood could come in and cause them real, real problems, as can Daniel James. If Daniel James is brought into this game to play, he has real pace as well. We're hoping that Martial makes it because Martial is the established player and he does have a partnership there with the likes of Marcus Rashford, Fernandes and Pogba. Of course, there's a Cavani factor as well. Will Cavani feature in this game? He's an outright number nine, something Liverpool don't have. They have Firmino who likes to come out and create space for Salah and Mane, allowing them to score more of the goals. But is there a point now where Liverpool have, have Liverpool now reached a point where an outright number nine contributing some key goals and some tap-ins would be more vital to him than a player that creates space for the likes of Mane and Salah. Liverpool's goal output has gone down. There's absolutely no doubt about it. They are not as free scoring as they were last season or the season before that. And as I said, the gap here between these two teams has unquestionably closed. And given Manchester United's away record and the fact we've already gone to the likes of Paris Saint-Germain and won this season... I don't think it'll be a monumental surprise to see Man United come through here as a 13-5 to Moneylight underdog here. But my official pick is going to be Manchester United on the double chance. We have a strong enough away record here to avoid a defeat here at Anfield. Liverpool missing too many key players and there's going to be too many opportunities here for Manchester United to find the net against a very, very weak Liverpool backline. I think this is one of the games that could certainly go over. I think there's good value on the over 2.5 goals here at 4 to six in this one but um, I don't like to do this I don't like to take Manchester United to do anything on these shows I don't like to put my money behind Manchester United and my support behind Manchester United because I can only lose twice 
I can only lose twice when it comes to the Green Bay Packers. I can only lose twice when it comes to Manchester United because they're the teams I support. So I lose emotionally and I lose financially as well. So it's not very often that I'll come on here and I'll pick Man United to do this and I'll pick Man United to do that. But very, very quietly, we have been creeping up the table. Very, very quietly, we have been building up a consistency. And from out of nowhere, we are now three points clear at the top of the league. It's not a case of anybody being having played more or less games than anybody. We are clear, three points clear at the top. We are averaging over two points a game. And in a season where it's been upsets galore and everybody has shown massive, massive inconsistency, Man United have come through with a very, very solid points tally, largely built up on their away record. And I think we've been more consistent than Liverpool this season. So, as I said, it won't be a major, major upset if we come through as a 13-5 to underdog. I think I'm being conservative here, taking us on the double chance. And it's a, there's a good chance I could be massively disappointed on Sunday. There could be a chance where... Liverpool do just do what they did against Tottenham. They raise their game, they find a better performance and they come through with the win. But I just don't think we're going to be as negative as Tottenham. I don't think we're going to pay Liverpool as much respect. I don't think we're going to sit there and park the bus and only try and counter-attack with two or three men. I think we're going to take the game to Liverpool. I don't think we have anything to fear, especially if they're missing those defenders. And I think Alexander-Arnold and Robertson pushing up is going to give us space in the right places where we want them. And Bruno Fernandes is going to be key. Pogba's going to be key. These are the two best midfielders in this game. I don't care who Liverpool have, whether they pay Thiago, Wijnaldum, uh, Naby Keita, whether Henderson plays midfield. It doesn't matter because we are the team that have the two world-class players, the two world-class midfielders in this game. And we have the two best centre-backs in this game as well with Liverpool having their defensive injuries. So it's key when you're looking at the spine of the Manchester United team, we have the better spine. We have, we are better equipped to, to win this game when you're looking at the personnel. It's just a case of whether we can overcome the fact that we don't have a very good record at Anfield. We always managed to lose this fixture over the last few years since Alex Ferguson left. And that could most likely be the case again. When you're looking at this predicament here going into this game and Liverpool end up winning it on Sunday and they go back to the top of the Premier League, that's pretty much going to be what's expected. But if you're looking at the form, if you're looking at the statistical data, if you're looking at the tactics and the personnel on the pitch, there's every chance that Man United can come away with the three points here in this game. I will take a point. I would be happy to cash that double chance bet at 10 to 11. I would be delighted with that. If we come away with a point and we're still three points clear at the end of this game, we avoid a defeat at Anfield, I would take it. I would take it right now. That would be an acceptable result to me. I'll be absolutely delighted if we could come away with all three points. And then I think, like a lot of other people, that people will genuinely start to take Manchester United seriously as a title contender. And uh, we'll look at those title contender odds at the end of the show. We do have one final game to get through. It's Manchester City's game at home to Crystal Palace, which will come after the Liverpool-Man United game on Sunday night. There is actually a Arsenal versus Newcastle game on Monday. But as I'm doing a midweek EPL show anyway... I'm going to leave that as a midweek game. So the midweek EPL show is going to start with Arsenal versus Newcastle. And then we are going to cover the other five games on the midweek EPL show. Otherwise, it will just be a five game show. The reason it's not a six game show anymore is because Leeds versus Southampton has been moved. So Southampton can play their FA Cup game. And um, in addition to that, we actually had a Premier League game cancelled this weekend as well with Aston Villa versus Everton because Aston Villa are continuing to struggle with COVID. So this Manchester City game sees Manchester City as the 1-7 to favourites. It's 13-2 to, to draw and it's 18-1 to one on Crystal Palace. I won't be taking Manchester City to cover any handicaps anytime soon. They are the one to two favourites to cover the handicap here in this one. I do like Manchester City to win to nil. They have managed to keep a clean sheet in 11 of the last 14 games in all competitions and they are available here at 4-5 to five. but I think the best bet here for this game will to take Manchester City to win this game and under 4.5 goals here at 4-6 to six. I think that will cash here for you safely I don't see 5 goals in a Manchester City game I don't even see 4 goals in a Manchester City game and you can actually get the same bet or sorry the same price on under 3.5 goals that's also available at 4-6 to six. 
but I'm a little bit more comfortable tacking on Manchester City and giving myself the over 4.5 cushion just in case Crystal Palace are able to score into score in this game and it does spring Manchester City into attack although they were trying their very best to score against Brighton they were only able to muster up one goal this isn't a free flowing free scoring Manchester City team and they aren't currently the title favourite to talk about in a minute but um, I'm not too sure although they are more defensively organised Everybody just thinks they're automatically going to click up top. Well, we're 17 games into the season. Well, 15 games for Manchester City and they haven't clicked so far. I've seen at a couple of games where they have done, they're obviously missing Sergio Aguero, but Sergio Aguero now is dealing with COVID issues. Prior to that, he was dealing with injuries. He's pretty much gone halfway through the season and has barely kicked the ball and hasn't contributed anything to this Manchester City team. And um, it's weird at this point, Sergio Aguero has been there for so long and they're still relying on him. They haven't found a replacement. Gabriel Jesus just isn't doing it for, for Manchester City. Neither is the false number nine. Whenever they bring in a false number nine, they're unable to put teams to the sword unless, of course, they're playing against Burnley, who seems to be a team they can always score four or five goals against. But other than that, they really have struggled. They struggle to penetrate against Brighton. That Chelsea game where they scored three goals against Chelsea. That was an anomaly because huge gaps opened up and uh, Manchester City were able to hit Chelsea on the break and everything they seemingly touched ended up in the back of the net in that first half. But that was a real anomaly. Other than that, Man United, Manchester City sorry, have really been grinding out these games and um, although they've been dominating possession and large, large chunks of it, they have been unable to really put teams to the sword. So I think safely here, you're under 3.5 caches and uh, even more safely than that. Manchester City to win and the under 4.5 goals should cash easily for you here as well as uh, Manchester City win but struggle to really look massively impressive by putting a team to the sword and they definitely won't put Crystal Palace to the sword because Crystal Palace under Roy Hodgson will do exactly what they did tonight against Arsenal which is set up and make themselves very very difficult to break down but inevitably Manchester City will find a way through they're just not going to find a way through to score three four or five goals here in this game and make it any kind of danger that your under 4.5 will cash even if they do find some really really good flow under 4.5 isn't going to be in trouble under 3.5 will be which is why I lean towards tacking on Manchester City and the under 4.5 at the same price rather than taking under 3.5 goals here but I think it would take something very very different from Manchester City from what we've seen for under 3.5 to even come into uh, even be in any kind of danger here in this one on Sunday night. So let's have a look at some of those futures to close out the show. We'll start with the Premier League outright winner. Manchester City are currently the clear Four to six favourites to win the league here at the moment. Liverpool are priced out at three to one. Man United are available here at seven to one. It's 20 to one on Tottenham, 33 to one on Chelsea and 40 to one on Leicester. Everybody else is bigger than 100 to one. I think there is some value on Man United, not just as a supporter, but simply when you look at the away record this season, it's very difficult to just write them off. I do think they're a team who would definitely qualify for the Champions League, which is probably the realistic target. But just to have any kind of title, any kind of title challenge is a bonus. So it really should come down to Liverpool and Manchester City, but it's very difficult to make a case for either. Manchester City are a team who are defending a lot better than they have done in previous years, but they they are lacking that goal scoring output, whereas Liverpool don't have the goal scoring output that they've had over previous years, although they are scoring more goals in City, but they are defensively a mess. And without Van Dijk and Gomez, it's very difficult to see them winning the league again. It just depends for me when Van Dijk comes back for this running and how far off Liverpool are from top spot in the league. If Van Dijk comes back in time and Liverpool are only within four or five points of top spot, they could feasibly nick it come May. But of course, if Manchester City are in prime position at that time perhaps they can find their way back to goal scoring form and maybe Sergio Aguero will be fit by then and doing what he usually does which is getting Manchester City out of trouble and leading them to another league title but I think defensively defensively they have improved massively and that defensive consistency could be a key because I think it's easier for this Manchester City team to find their attacking flow even though it hasn't happened so far this season 17 games in 
than it is for them to defend because defensive consistency hasn't been something they've been able to find throughout the entire duration of Pep Guardiola's reign as Manchester City managers. So it's a very, very odd season where you're talking about Manchester City being defensively better than they are in attack. And uh, Liverpool have obviously been decimated with their injuries and it will be interesting to see how they can fill in those positions at the back and um, how they can band-aid things until Van Dijk comes back and if he even comes back to play any of this season. But for me, Man United are the real interesting play here at 6-1. to one. I personally don't have any lean on the title race. I think that these teams are just far, far too inconsistent. Liverpool cannot keep any clean sheets. Manchester City cannot put teams away. I think they're going to continue to drop points. And even Man United, obviously, are going to continue to drop points. I don't think this away form can continue into the second half of the season. Can they have the best away record in the league? Yes. Can they even have a better away record and home record? Yes. Can they continue to win week after week after week after week away from home? No, I don't think that could continue on realistically into the second half of the season, but I really don't have a play here, which will disappoint people, but I just want to see how it plays out for a few more weeks. Perhaps we'll regret not taking Manchester City in this four to six position as they start to score goals and move away and go top of the Premier League table at some point and then move clear as we head towards the the later months of the season. The top four finishes up next and um, it's not worth looking at City and, and Liverpool there because they're 1-33 to and 1-8. to Man United are available at 1-4 and Tottenham are available 11 to 11-10. Chelsea 11-8, Leicester 11-4, Everton available at 6-1. to Arsenal aren't even um, worth mentioning here. I remember at the start of the season when I was talking about how the bookies had priced this up completely wrong where they had Arsenal as the fifth favourites and Tottenham behind them. And I said Tottenham will categorically have a better season than Arsenal and finish above them in the table. They have a better manager. They have better players. And that has been proven right. And I think there is some value here on Tottenham at 11 to 10. I think they will be able to take this position. Chelsea are just far too inconsistent. I don't like Frank Lampard as a manager. At certain points this season, they've shown defensive consistency, but then they've lost it. At certain points this season, they've shown an ability to be a free scoring team. And in other games, they can't score goals all of a sudden. There's just no consistency with this Chelsea team at all. With Leicester and Everton, I don't think they have the squad depth to challenge. I do think that they'll end up dropping off, although I do think Leicester will end up finishing above Everton in the table because I do think that they've been, they're more familiar with this position, but I do think they'll inevitably finish sixth in the table. I think this final position will come down to Tottenham and Chelsea, but I prefer Tottenham here at 11 to 10 to finish above Chelsea simply because of the manager and the inconsistency. And I do think Tottenham have more squad depth. I think they've built um, their squad a little bit better than Chelsea. They're not just completely top heavy. Chelsea are just full of attackers and they don't have any um, real defensive quality throughout their squad. They have built all at the top and they can't even fit all these players into the team. And we knew that at the start of the season. We wondered why are they buying Havertz and why are they buying Ziak and why are they buying Werner? Why are they buying all of these three players? It didn't make sense even at the start of the season, especially when you still got Abraham and Giroud there and Pulisic and you're not getting anyone out of the club. They're just overloaded with players there. Yes, it always makes sense to sign Kai Havertz. He's one of the top young midfielders in the world, but he hasn't fit into the Premier League. Werner hasn't fit in either. None of the signings have really gelled and um, it just looks like a very, very bad season for Chelsea. And it's difficult to tip them here to finish in the top four. So I'm going to go for Tottenham to finish fourth here at 11 to 10. Closing out here, we look at the relegation race. Sheffield United out 1 to 16 and Sam Allardyce is really going to need a miracle to take West Brom out of the relegation zone when they're one to eight. But here's an interesting one. Fulham are available at even money with Burnley at 11 to four, Brighton at three to one, Newcastle at three to one and Crystal Palace at 14 to one. I just don't see anybody else being sucked into this. Earlier on in the season, I did say it was going to be three from four, but Burnley have pulled away. And now we've just got those three and everybody's talking about Sam Allardyce coming in and he automatically keeps you up. I don't think there's anything automatic about it. I think Sheffield United and West Brom are going down this season and I think Fulham are going down with them. I don't see much difference between Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield United other than Fulham have managed to pull off a few results in recent weeks. Yes, they play some pretty football. 
And yes, Scott Matt, Scott Parker's very likable as a manager and he's a good English manager, but I don't think he's going to keep them up. I think Burnley are far more incons- uh, far more consistent. Sean Dyche knows what he's doing. He's gone on a good run. Can Brighton be sucked in? Yes, Brighton could potentially be sucked in. If they continue to go head-to-head with the top teams in the league and don't find a way to be more defensively organised, they could be sucked in and they could be a good shout at 3-1. But they are the only real team. I think Newcastle have too much quality. I think Crystal Palace are too far adrift. I just cannot see anybody but the three who are the current favourites going down here this season. So I'm going to go for Sheffield United, West Brom and Fulham, I think, would be the great bet here at evens to go down this season. Closing out with my locks here for the show, as it is the 200th edition of the EPL show, I'm going to give you four locks. I'm going to give you two futures and two plays for the weekend. I'm going to begin with the weekend plays, Manchester City and under four and a half goals. I cannot see five goals in a City game at the moment. It's going to be very difficult to break this Palace team down initially, but I do think they'll eventually get through, but I don't think it gets to over 4.5 goals and that's available at four to six. I'm going to take Tottenham on the money line against the Sheffield United team. They lost 15 out of 18 and I really like Tottenham at the price of three to five. I can see that improving by the time we get to Sunday. I'm going to also take Tottenham to finish inside the top four, which is available at 11 to 10. I don't think Chelsea have the consistency to take over this Tottenham team. And I do think Tottenham will grind out a top four position under Jose Mourinho. And my final pick is going to be Fulham to go down here at evens. I cannot see anyone else getting sucked into this, either Burnley, Brighton, Newcastle or Crystal Palace. And I think Fulham will be going down with West Bromwich Albion and Sheffield United. That's it for the 200 edition of the EPL show. Thank you for listening to the 199 episodes before this. Good luck with all of your bets as always, guys. And thanks for listening.